I'm in a great venue. I'm down the road from Hansworth, Birmingham, which is a great venue in its own right. But, <laughs> but don't give it away yet. I haven't said who you are. Uh, but I'm at the Hawthorns West Brom's ground, and we're looking right over it. It's absolutely class. Uh, you may have guessed, if you're in British football, that I'm with Darren Moore. Uh, now, I'm not going to cross him today because he's six foot three. He's an absolute giant. Let me give you his CV because there's no chance in a short interview that we can talk about all of it. So I'm giving it to you. 599 league games for eight clubs, really good clubs. Three international caps for Jamaica. 22 years from starting as an apprentice to retiring as a professional footballer. Coaching at a good level since 2012. Here's his clubs. Trainee at Torquay United, then a pro. Off to Doncaster Rovers, Bradford City, Portsmouth, West Bromwich Albion, Derby County, Barnsley, landing at the end of his career with Burton Albion when they were on the up. Here's a fascinating fact that we're going to look at later on in this interview. Four times Morrow won promotion to the Premier League. Four times in his career. That's special. We'll have a chat about it. Morrow, I've got to start by saying I'm about a mile and a half at the moment from Hansworth. You must have been a very, very good kid to have the career you had. And you end up going as an apprentice to Torquay United. Talk me through it. Well, first and foremost, what a what a wonderful uh, intro that is, Dano. That's one of the best ones. Uh, but now nah, you're right, Dano. I'm a stone's throw from the football club, growing up in Handsworth. And believe it or not, I started my career as a schoolboy at Warsaw. I was a schoolboy at Warsaw uh, Football Club. And just as when I was moving into the, um, the new Bescott Stadium, I didn't get offered a, a scholarship. So what happened was John James, which is the chief scout at the time at Torquay United, does all his scouting. He's from Blackheath in Dudley. So he comes up around the Midlands and all the players that Aston Villa, West Bromwich Albion, Coventry City, that may let go. He selects the ones that he feels. And obviously he, he spotted me and said that I think you could do well for Torquay United. And do you want to come for a trial? And myself and um, goalkeeper Jason... Um, went down and um, and we had a trial down at, at Torquay, uh, which the first trial I didn't get taken. So even at Torquay, I didn't get taken. Came back up here, decided I was going to sign for Paget Rangers uh, about three months later uh, before signing for Paget. I get the phone call again from Torquay on a Sunday. Mum wakes me up and says that there's a John James on the phone uh, from Torquay United. Half asleep, I answered the phone. It was JJ as he's known and I came for a second trial. And then the rest is history. I've I, I done really well in the second trial down there. They kept my name, kept my numbers. And uh, and I ended up signing a, a, um, a scholarship down there and then two years a pro. But you made your first team debut before you turned pro. Yeah. Is that right? That's correct. Tell me about your debut match. Made, made my debut, believe it or not, against Birmingham City. I know, outrageous, <laughs> against the Blues. Could yeah, you believe it? Yeah, incredible against Birmingham. Uh, it was at Playmore. I was in those days then, they used to have a, uh, apprentice, it was called apprenticeship now, it's scholars now. You have a top man, I was a top man. The top man is the the, the, the apprentice with the keys. I've got the bunch of keys, <laughs> opens any door in the football ground. Is that the top man? Yeah, that's You the can top go man. anywhere. I can go anywhere. But there's a, there's a certain point where the top man has to always stand. And I was at this point 
and I was stood there, got the key. So if anything needs going down, I'm the man to see. And then they come running up to me and says, Darren, give me the keys. The youth team coach, get yourself inside the first team dressing room. The manager needs to see you. And this is an hour and 10 minutes before kickoff. No. An hour and 10 minutes. So I came into the uh, dressing room. They said, go into the manager's office. He needs to see you. I went into the manager's office. I looked at the gaffer. He said, right. He says, uh, how do you feel? I said, fine, gaffer. I says, what do you need? He said, not what I need you tonight. <laughs> and, he, and I said, he said, the centre-back Matt Elliott, Leicester, Oxford, gone down in the warm-up. He said, you're playing tonight. Oh, my word. You what, 17? I'm 17, just 17, against Birmingham City. Oh, they were table toppers at the time. We are playing more. And I'm playing. No time to think. No time to anything. Went in the dressing room. All the pros said, come on, big man, let's go. Got changed. Went on the pitch. All a surreal experience. Played and, and had a great game. Uh, we ended up, uh, get, we lost the game in the last minute. Unfortunately, uh, Nigel Gleghorn scored. Gareth uh, Howes came for a cross and dropped it in the last minute, the keeper. And they scored everything. Uh, and my career just took off from there. So you're a kid, you turn pro, you, you stay there and, and you play for quite a few years. But here's a tipping point again. Now, we can't stay here yeah. because of the amount of clubs you played for. Yeah. Uh, Doncaster Rovers, mm -hmm. so you're up now from the south coast. Yeah. So, so you first of all move 180 miles away from where you grow up, yeah. a mile and a half from yeah. this club. You then go all the way to the north of England to Yorkshire. Yeah. Doncaster Rovers, and then from Doncaster on to Bradford City. Now, I want to dive in now. You're starting to become an established professional. Mm -hmm. We're now in 1999. Mm -hmm. you know, by most, most careers are over now because yeah. they don't last this long. No. You're a senior player but later 20s mm -hmm. senior player Bradford City 1999 get into the Premier League for the first time in their history you're a bedrock part of the mm -hmm. back four centre half the end of that season problems of a contract negotiation mm -hmm. you don't go up to the Premier League with Bradford what is that like when you've been aspiring to that level of football and you miss by a hair's breadth um, Dano and and for everybody listening, to it, it was it was awful. It was an awful feeling, a gut wrenching feeling because um, right from a young age, from when my dad showed me the first football match on the TV, obviously it was West Bromwich Albion. Cyril was playing Brendan Laurie, and he was showing me the game because obviously being um, uh, from the West Indies, he was really proud at the time of those and what they were doing here at West Brom. So he showed me the game. And from that point, as a youngster in the living room, I said, I want to do that. So I had a dream. And the dream was to play in the highest fl uh, flight this uh, country had to offer, which now it's the Premier League. So um, when I was there at the time of the Premier League, that was me now one step away. I just needed to make a, my debut. It's a dream come true. But that wasn't the case. And I was, and it was said that it wasn't... And, um, I couldn't, it was almost, it was snatched from me. It was there, for, I could touch it, but, so that was snatched away from me and it was hard, very, very hard because I held on at Bradford for five months in believing, six months believing that I'd get a chance, but wasn't given the chance, the opportunity. So I knew I had to uh, leave and head back down south. But believe you me, for, for anybody listening to this, it was a dream, I, I felt, I felt, potentially, potentially, is this my dream gone? Is this my chance? Is this my opportunity mm. to play in the top, top flight gone? Mm. So it was really, really hard. Um, 
but it was something that I had to do to further keep enhancing my career. Yeah, and it's at that point, I think, uh, you're a 27-year-old guy. You, you, you've played a lot of league games now, a lot of what we would now call championship football. Mm-hmm. Um, you moved to Portsmouth mm-hmm. at that stage with a heavy heart, and mm-hmm. a, a really more all pros. doesn't matter if it's football, all elite players, boys and girls, men and women who are listening to this, know the agony that you're describing. And yet somehow, you move on to Portsmouth, you grasp hold of it, you spend a couple of seasons there, and in the big picture of the universe, and we haven't talked about your faith yet, Mm -hmm. I'd met you before this point, but it's at this point that a lot of people in football start hearing about the number of people in the first team at Portsmouth who are Christians. Good Mm -hmm. pros, good club, and Christians. What's the backstory to that? Where did your faith come through? Where did that start, and how did it land in Portsmouth? Well, it was, it was it, and I'll go back to that, that season at Bradford um, in 1999, and um, meeting a, a great, great friend of mine, Wayne Jacobs, and as a as a pro at the club, a uh, bit more, a little bit more experience in, in terms of years and games at the time what he had uh, ahead of me. And me and Wayne used to share the car journeys back and forth from training. And it was then that that um, I always knew about the Lord, but I, I, what I believed in my, in my heart and in my head was that playing football and serving the Lord was impossible to do. It was either one or the other. So I thought once I accepted to play football and become a professional, that that was it. That was me on my, on my career. But Wayne showed me, no, no, that you could, that the Lord had very much <clears throat> a part to play in our everyday life. And and we used to share conversations about scripture, the word of today in the car, uh, prayers and everything else. But what, what people don't realise with me to this day is that when I was at Bradford at that time, I actually was kind of fearful and didn't feel I was good enough to be at that level. I thought I was League One, League Two. Um, but to be in the, in the championship vying for a spot in the in the Premier League. Could I really do it? The first six weeks of training was hard. I couldn't get to grips of it. The, the speed and the pace of the ball and how they moved it was really good. We spent a lot of money that summer, just short of five million. And uh, there was televised games. Uh, and we lost the first out of seven. I think we lost the first four or five. So real scrutiny was on us as a team, as a club. And, and um, we had a televised game against Bolton coming up. And I remember Wayne saying to me, Darren, I want to invite you to my house. He said, uh, we've got a Christians in sport meeting. Um, and I said, okay. And he said, uh, we have like a sort of a guest speaker to come up by the name of Graham Daniels himself. And I said, okay. He said, I'd like you to come. I think you'll benefit from it. I said, okay then. And um, when I came up um, for, the, for the, um, that meeting, I remember there's six or seven players in there. And we were all at different points in our career. Um, one player was scoring goals. Brilliant. Next game couldn't come quick enough. Two more in the reserves. Not very happy in the reserves. One was uh, playing with an injury, but wanted to play because his contract's going to finish at the end of the season. So he's needed to play through the pain barrier, but he might need an up, but he's not telling the club. So he's grimacing every single week. Uh, myself and Wayne in a situation where contractual talks are going on. So it was at different parts in our career. 
But one thing what I felt and uh, the, 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 the message that you gave at the time was um, taken from the Bible that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. And I, and I remember thinking, goodness me, I thought that, that's, that's me. That's, that's me because I'm full of fear. I'm thinking I'm, I, we've got a televised game on Saturday. Um, but once we had the meeting, Dano, I mean, I'm six foot three now, but I felt eight foot coming out of the meeting. <laughs> And 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 I felt um, I couldn't. I was wait. Couldn't wait for the game. I played against Nathan Blake, who was a Welsh international then. Played for Bolton, and I remember us drawing the game two two. And if you look back at the record, we didn't look back then. Bradford, we went on an incredible run from there, through the through the weeks and months of that season, us growing as a group of boys, brothers in Christ, and everything else, and and me taking on that season and going ahead. And I put that all that down. I give that the, all the glory to the Lord Jesus because uh, I'm almost convinced, assured that without Him playing that part in in my life and my career, then it would have been impossible to achieve what I achieved that season. What strikes me now, and I'm going to stay on this theme, is that what we know from your time at Portsmouth from other people. So you you go there, ninety nine to two oh one when it doesn't quite land at Bradford in the Premier League, mm. you become the Wayne Jacobs yeah. of the dressing room. Wayne Jacobs was that boy at Bradford City who mentored you and mm. brought your faith in Christ alive. You were that man to a number of people mm. uh, at Portsmouth. What did it feel like? Did it feel like a responsibility uh, to be the man with the spiritual keys almost? You know, you're not the apprentice anymore, but you're the boy with the keys everywhere. You're the top pro. Yeah, I just, um, I went with what I just knew at uh, Bradford. Uh, successful uh, player there. Coming down to the South Coast. Uh, coming into a club where potentially down in the doldrums, fighting relegation in the championship. A great club, a big club. Um, a wonderful manager at the time. May the Lord rest his soul. And Alan Ball, and um, he just brought me down and said, I just feel that you could be the next Noel Blake down here and be a, a, a real cult hero, a leader of um, people, men down here and the players and that. And I just carried it on from there and was in the dressing room and uh, just just continued to just be me, just to lead and and just do what knew what I knew in, in the Lord and, and, and the players took a shine to that, took a light to it, understood me where I was from, here as a person serving in Christ and that, but also on a Saturday, three o'clock, crossed that white line and an immovable rock out there and really getting stuck in leading by example, being on the front foot, you know, follow me, going to war, going to battle and, and coming out of it and win, lose or draw and that, you know, giving God thanks for the opportunity to play and, really display the talent that he's given me. And I think that boded well with the lads and, and got the boys asking questions. What What is it in this situation? How you seem to be up, up, upward mobile, upbeat, and seem to seem to be wanting to help and move people on. And you, yeah, I'm in the same place as you, but there's something there that we want to know and experience. And I said, well, it's, and it was of, of the Lord really. So in that time, we had a lot of players then uh, where we used to have group meetings, discussions. When I, when I say discussions, I'm talking 
20 minutes before kickoff. <laughs> You'll get us in trouble saying things like that because there won't be many yeah. coaches going, yeah, good idea, yeah. Moro, good yeah. idea. But it went to that extreme, really, where... But the thing is, the results was <clears throat> there. They followed. And Alan did... Ball relaxed with you about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. And, and then, obviously, um, Alan Ball was there. Then, obviously, I look at and think, you know, it was um, Stevie Claridge and Guy when they had a little go. They, they took over. Harry then come in. So, so Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp, yeah. yeah. So when you look back on things like that um, at the time, it was something that didn't bring any harm yeah. to but it. You but you had no idea. I mean, this is groundbreaking. Yeah. You know, in American sports, American yeah. friends listen to this. They used to. Yeah. They call it chapel yeah. before games. You know, that was not done. No. I, I mean, until that Portsmouth group. How many were you? Seven, eight, yeah. nine of you? Yeah, at the time, yeah. Players in there. And, and it was good. Because um, there was a real togetherness um, with it, and we wanted to go and achieve and try and win a football match for the club, and and I thought it was just wonderful. But but you, you, I'd never at the time thought it was anything different. I just thought it was the norm. Well, it's what you knew from Bradford, from, Bradford, from Jake's in the dressing Bradford. room, and I just think, Moro, if I may say, Bradford, when yeah. we have these chats or on this podcast, we are thrilled to inspire young women and young men in yeah. professional sport. Mm. And that's what excites me the most about hearing you now. You're a nervous boy who thinks he's not good enough for a certain level mm. at Bradford. Through walking with Christ, looking at his word, mm. with a great senior pro like Jake's, yeah. it was just obvious that you became that boy when yeah. you went to the next club. Yeah. Linvoy Primus Linvoy comes to Primus. meet Christ. Yeah, Linvoy was, and then just went on from there, really. Um, Linvoy came down out of contract got a week's trial at Portsmouth to try and earn a contract. Um, I got injured. So the, the one game Linvoy should have played, he ended up staying for the week and playing three games. Does ever so well. Chairman at the time, Milan Mandrich says, I like him, looks good. I think you two could work well together. I think I think so as well, Mr Chairman. <laughs> yeah, put me back in. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and we just hit it off. We shared, uh, we were sort of roommates together in pre-season. And Linvoy was just sharing about little bits of difficulties in, in where he was faced with and things like that. And 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 I just started sharing with him. And that weekend, I remember his wife, Trish, went to church. God gave her a message, came back. I sort of um, helped him to understand and interpret it a bit. And Linvoy just felt it was right. And... Um, and 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 led him to the to the Lord and the work that to see him growing and blossoming in the, in the Lord today is, is wonderful to to see what it, it's done and see what he's doing and what he's about in Portsmouth and he can't move in Portsmouth down there which is great great for him and, and it's a friendship that is still very very much strong yeah. today it's wonderful Dano that I look back and I and I say Lord it's, it's you that it's when Linvoy came to know the Lord it's like God moved me on yeah it's like when I came to know the Lord at Bradford yeah. God moved me on yeah and, and in retrospect like, you see that don't and, you and you move on yeah you it's look almost back. like he thinks right your work's done there now on move your on well let, let me move you on you leave Portsmouth mm -hmm. and you go to West Brom yeah when you get to West Brom this is an unbelievable sequence yeah promotion yeah relegation yeah promotion yeah three seasons yeah. talk me through that absolutely surreal experience yeah. so 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 the first one promotion excellent year uh really good team myself and andy johnson arrive 
we go on an incredible run of games really really good run of games and we get promoted promotion uh back into the premier league first time in 16 years the club's been out the premier league so we get back in the premier league that season there we play in the premier league but we just we're a championship team in the premier league so we're giving our all every single week but just not quite there but the experiences are valuable valuable i've definitely improved as a player playing against the so-called best we drop down to the championship now actually end of that season i have a knee injury sustained against chelsea so i'm going to be out for eight months so i'm out for the end of that season and i come back at christmas the following year in the championship and i play 26 games from there to the end of the season to get help us gain promotion so then we go back up and as we get back in the Premier League now, so absolutely elated, brilliant, fantastic. We're back in the Premier League. Got a bit more experience about us now, ready to tackle the Premier League. Unfortunately, uh, Gary Megson time had come to an end and Brian Robson came, comes in. And Brian Robson just thinks, you know, makes minor adjustments to us, keeps the work rate we're doing, but we've got to be better with the board. And he puts on training sessions that we're better with the board. And we were down at Christmas and, and then he, he takes us away to Florida, real team cohesion, real bonding. We come back, we don't look back. We really don't look back. We sign Kevin Campbell, Kieran Richardson, he brings in from Manchester United, young, energetic, Ronnie Warwick, he revives it and sort of, so, so we, and we just have an unbelievable team uh, spirit, but some real leaders in the dressing room. When I look back at the dressing room, some real good leaders, some great lads. And we end up staying up. Portsmouth here, last game of the season, we need to get a result. We need three other results to go for us. And we get the result here and the other results go for us. So then the following year then, we start again back in the Premier League. But I, I leave that season to join for Derby County, a struggling team. And then that season goes, Derby stays up, West Brom um, get relegated. And then both teams are in the championship and, and then we end up and you the play them finals. It, and this is your fourth promotion to yes. the Premier League yeah. and it's against West Brom. West Brom. Uh, now, your dad, your, your dad's talking when you're a kid about yeah. the so-called three degrees, yeah. isn't it? Batson, yeah. Regis yeah. and the wonderful Cunningham, Cunningham yeah. too. Yeah. You've played for them. Yes. And now you're playing against, playing against them to them, get yeah. back in the Premier League. And, Whoa. And, and the unbelievable thing, Dan, when I looked on the squad, players and I looked on the day and I looked across the pitch on the other half and I see all the West Brom flags and everything and, I, and I'm with my allegiances with Derby and I'm ready I'm there with Derby I see the team it just felt like you're taking me out the team because that was a team and I had all the success with everything else and I'm playing against them so friends there everybody's there and I just said to myself they're singing my name the West Brom friends are singing my name and I just had to go into a little corner and just focus. And I felt heavy, my body felt heavy. I didn't think, I didn't feel speed. I didn't feel no agility to me. I just felt heavy. And when the referee blew the, the whistle, I went into a mind and a zone of just professionalism and, and performed uh, as best as I could. And at the end of the day, it was, it was uh, along with the other group of players, it was enough to win the game, sort of one nil. And I've got pictures, Dano, at home that if you look, the pictures tell a story on the day. It really does tell a story because as much as I was happy that we gained promotion at the first brand new Wembley, first ever game, playoff final, Division 1, a £90 million game they put it down to, to get in the Premier League. And uh, we gained victory on the day against all the odds. 
in the playoff final against Southampton and West Brom. We were the the, the minor ones, but we did it, and um, and it was a great sense of achievement. And it was an it was an unbelievable uh, moment uh, to be going back to the Premier League, thirty five, thirty six. Incredible in my career. I, I want to draw us in here. Um, thinking about what you've learned uh, as a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, we, we so we think of your background. We, we think of Wayne Jacobs and that little group. We think of the Portsmouth movement and the number of boys who came through to be good pros mm-hmm. and Christians from there. You gaining experience into your thirties and being able to really, really be a fearless and talented leader getting clubs out of the championship into the Premier League. Mm. Whereas when you started out at Bradford, you're scared you couldn't get in the, you were nowhere near good enough mm-hmm. in your own head. How, Moro, do you want to help young professional footballers who are thinking through the claims of Christ to understand that you can be a really good pro and a mm. Christian? Your starting point was that they weren't possible as a kid. Yeah. What do you do today to try and help players put those two things together? Today, what I would say today is is that you can have the Lord in any walk of life. What you're doing, the biggest thing what what you what gets asked from the individual will be, but there's things in my life where I fail, I fall down, I'm not good enough you get asked all them questions. And those are things that you put on yourself, not what the Lord puts on you. The Lord says, come to me as you are. Um, those who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, because my burden is easy, my, my, my yoke is light. So for me, um, it's coming as you are. Give give the Lord an opportunity. Why would just give, give him that opportunity to at where you're at now, and the struggles, what you may be facing now, or it may be as great as you could possibly have it, the Lord still wants to be a part of it and understands you as the individual that you are. He understands you, he or she. And and know this, whatever you face with today, the Lord only wants the best. He only wants the best. And however bad it is, he can be there to help you to become better. However good it is, he can make you enjoy it even better. That's exactly what he wants to do. So wherever you are now, in whatever walk of life you're doing, in a sporting field you're in, professional, amateur, the Lord wants to know where it is. Because I know, as an individual now, and I speak for all of us out there, we want to be the best we can be in terms of the fields where we are in. So if you want to be the, the best of you can be, I'm just saying I discovered through that that the Lord helped me massively in it. I had a determination in it, but I had a peace and I had a confidence with it that when hurdles came in it, I was able to deal with them better, to manage them better, to handle them better. And I, and I have to put that down to the experiences of the Lord, even Dano, when it came to contractual situations. Mm-hmm. Where do I go? What do I do? The timing of it, the pressures of it, that can involve in it, the big decisions making. You know, sometimes you might be in a position where you're settled and you've got to move. Is it the right decision? Do I stay? Do I go to further enhance my career? What's it going to be like? Different area, different surroundings. Have I made the right deal uh, Deal in terms of the move going there? 
all these things boded well with me and I talk about that because I was faced with that when I was coming from Bradford to Portsmouth and if you don't and if you're not secure in your mind you've got to make it work make it work and make it happen and and uh, what, certainly that was the case uh, in that Portsmouth and certainly I see it maybe at the time but certainly as it went on it was definitely the right move to do I, I think the one thing I've noticed with you and with strong leaders in professional football, which is the field I know best, is that important differentiation you make that Jesus Christ loves you, mm. whether you're in the first team or the reserves, injured or fit, yep. premiership or championship. Yep. The security appears to come from knowing he doesn't think of you as a footballer. Mm-hmm. He's, he's saved you as a person, person. and he's with you always. Yep. Uh, that's what comes across in the way yeah. you speak about this. Yeah, because my career will come, it will go, um, and and my, my name in the game was for a certain time. Uh, in the Lord, it's throughout every day of your life, really, in terms of where he's at and how he sees you in a relationship that you build, and it's a continual learning process, a continual learning process. We've worked out, even in our conversation today, uh, that we're going to have to have in due course a separate coaching podcast because I haven't even had a chance to ask you who are the best role models you've had as managers and coaches. You know, five years into a coaching career. Uh, West Brom, you've been at Blackburn as first team, with the first team. You've been here at West Brom with 18s and 21s. Um, So many managers, so many role models, the way you talk about international football and what you've learned from that, all that's to be unpacked. And how, as a Christian, you approach being a top-level coach. We'll save that for the next podcast with you. I want to draw this one to a close by making a parallel between Wayne Jacobs at Bradford City and his professionalism meets his zeal for Christ. I want to take you with Linvoy Primus and the others at Portsmouth where you became the Jakes and looked Mm -hmm. out for those boys and brought them on as professional players and Christians. Right now in the Midlands, there are probably more people involved in professional football who are followers of Jesus Christ than there were in the whole country when you first became a Christian. (laughs) How do you try and support those boys? What goes on in the Midlands, Darren? Well, now, um, now that with those numbers, like you said, Dano, my, my thing is to revert to what brought me to know the the Lord Jesus, and it's doing it's applying the same uh, principles here in in the Midlands. It's recognizing who they are, letting them know that um, help is at hand, letting them know that together we can support each other. It's letting them know, getting together every so often throughout the, 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 the calendar month and just having group chats. And the technology now is great, great that in terms of the, the phones and the, the WhatsApps and the, you, you're able to then um, exchange numbers and keep in more frequent con- contact. So, so those are the, 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 the things and the principles that I'm doing. And then not only that, but some of the players, they'll be playing against each other through the, through the football season. So it'd be great for them to to see each, uh, see each other or or touch base and contact without it being a, a group. It can be individually. It can it can be as a as a couple. It can be small groups. Um, 
and and it's great that sometimes when players are travelling away from home with teams and they're playing against a so-called um, um, other team with, with, with Christian brothers in, it might mean that they can meet up at the hotels and, and have a quick chat or before the game. Or So I think that's been really, really good. And it's really good that sometimes in, a, in an industry where it demands success and it's all about the result, 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 results, um, that through, through it all, there's that support because not all of us will sometimes at the time be at the top end of the game. So it's great that... Um, that you can help uh, individuals or groups of players uh, recognise this and support each other. And they're the next generation was coming through, really. I, I, like you said, Dano, it's another podcast, but I'm now on the coaching side of it. So I understand the, 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 where the players are at. And it's just giving them sort of that, that chance and that opportunity to say that where, where you're at now, you're doing a wonderful, wonderful thing, what you're doing, but also you're not in there alone. There's others there and we can all we can all sort of join in and helping and even though I'm on the coaching side and your players and that, you know, I've had the experience of being where you've been at and I understand where you've been at and and we're just there to try and help each other. And I think that's the, the way forward. Moral is it's really great. It's really great. We could talk forever, uh, but it's what's been most wonderful for me today, uh, in talking to Darren Moore, is that you're seeing a man who right at the start of his career couldn't get a contract at Walsall. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, the boy goes on to play 600 league games and play international football, four promotions to the Premier League, a leader of men, and he fails the first trial at Torquay, fails it, can you believe it? Gets in, from there on, seven more clubs, top-level football, unashamed leader of men, unashamed servant of Jesus Christ. And to this day, and we'll do the coaching next time, as his career as a coach emerges, with all his strengths and weaknesses, the one thing you see with Moro is that he wants to pass on as a footballer and as a Christian with respect to all he can help. Absolute credit. That's what makes this podcast worthwhile, Moro. I can't wait for people to have got to this point in the podcast. By the way, here's the deal. If you want to know more, christiansinsport.org.uk for anything you want to know, we're there to help you. It's been an honour, a privilege. I love the Hawthorns, <laughs> but I love being with you more up more. Cheers, Daniel. Top man. Cheers, Absolutely man. top man. Thank you very much. Cheers. 